Welcome to Theatrically Speaking, the very first playwriting podcast. My name is Jonah Knight. Season one is republishing the long-lost first episodes of the show from back in 2007. And season two begins the new episodes. Now, a few things have changed since 2007, like the website. For more information about Theatrically Speaking or my other podcasts, please visit actualstorypodcasting.com. Next, back in 2007, you could number your episodes however you like, and I did this very creative numbering system that included episodes 4.1, 4.15, 4.2, and no actual episode 4. The numbering that the episodes have in your feed is the order that you should listen to them. So, welcome in to the Theatrically Speaking Wayback Machine. It's time to talk some plays. I hate movies, I don't watch TV, I can't read books, and I don't take kids to the zoo. Video games are gonna rot your brain, and all these internets are for idiots, but I love you, baby dear, but you ain't no Shakespeare. Try to make me to be high class, and I would David Bam it on your Welcome to Theatrically Speaking, a playwriting podcast. This is episode 2.1. I am Jonah Knight. I am your host. In the past couple of episodes, I have mentioned to you that I was planning that our first arc would be up to episode 1.3, and yet this is episode 2.1. And uh, I'm doing this for a a couple of reasons, skipping over um, what I had planned for 1.3 because, uh, for two main reasons here. First is that my notes for 1.3 just weren't really coming together. They, uh, I was looking at them, and they weren't quite singing. They weren't hitting me. And so I thought, well, what, rather than push it, I'll go on to something else. And what would something else be? Well, that's the other reason I'm doing this, this because of a conversation that I had at work the other day. And the conversation was around the fact that I have that uh, that my play On Island is being produced in, uh, at the end of the summer. And somebody at work said to me, wow, great, you know, good for you. How long did it take you to write it? And I kind of looked at her and I couldn't really answer. I, I mean, I did answer. I said something like, um, well, it's a play, so it's not done. Uh, which got me to thinking about the subject for this episode, which is, when do you stop writing a play? And why is this even an issue? For those of you who don't write plays, you would say, is that a problem? Why Why would you not just stop writing it when you're done? And... And uh, this is a this is an issue for uh, because it's totally different than every other medium. In the last couple of uh, episodes, we've talked about this as well. You know that your book is done. Your book is at least done when it's published. Yeah, yeah. Very few playwrights, uh, very few novelists, will pull their book back after it's been published and do significant revisions. You know that your movie is done, uh, well, because you've just, you know, sold your, your, your rights away anyway, but the movie's done when it's released, your TV show's done when it's aired, you know, your song, songs are a little bit different because you could say, well, once it's recorded, it's done, but, uh, musicians are always changing songs. So in a way, 
playwriting is a lot like songwriting because you're never done. You are never done. And, and this is something that definitely affects the playwright's psyche. So I have two stories that I'm going to tell you here um, about the, this idea of when to finish and when to stop writing your play. And the first here is a nice story about all the good things that can happen once you have finished writing your play. And my example for this story is the playwright Lee Blessing. You may have heard of Lee Blessing, one of America's most widely produced and popular contemporary playwrights. Uh, His play, A Walk in the Woods, was Pulitzer and Tony nominated some years ago, and he's written a bunch of other stuff, and he currently uh, heads up the playwriting department at Rutgers. So I heard Lee Blessing tell this story. Once uh, he, because I, uh, well, basically his, his response to when is he done writing the play, for him, it's when the play is published. And this is a little bit, uh, that's easy for him to say because he gets his plays published, though certainly not all of them are published. Um, and by his own count, he estimates that he has completed about a play a year for his uh, every year of his adult life. And the reason that he is able to have such a library uh, of plays is because he stops. He stops writing them. So what does that mean? He told this story about how... Um, about uh, this one particular time when he was approached by uh, the uh, producing entity of a particular theater company that said, you know, we really want to produce this this play of yours, uh, but would you mind making, you know, this tweak or this tweak, which is something that normally when a producer approaches a playwright and says, hey, we want to produce your play, the first thing you do is ask how much you need to pay them. Uh, but, uh, but if you're famous, you don't need to worry about that because they give you money. So, so Lee's uh, outlook on this approach now has become... Once it's published, that's it, it's done. And by his own accounts, he has said that he has voluntarily, he has, he has knowingly not adjusted a play at the cost of potential productions. And, and his idea here is that if he keeps going back and keeps revisiting these plays again and again uh, to accommodate this company or that company, or, you know, can you change this ethnicity to fit this great actor that we have that would do the role so well, or maybe a gender or an age, or can you just tweak a little thing? And his response is, no, I'm done with that play. If I go back and think about it again, this play I'm working on now isn't going to happen. And I think that that's... I think that's great. That's great for Lee Blessing and maybe a lesson for all of us as he is, you know, Tony Pulitzer winner and, you know, and doing quite well with himself. But for most of us, most playwrights, that is not so easy to do. Uh, It is not so easy to tell, to say no to a particular production if all they want you to do is another draft, if they want you to just revisit this idea and maybe tweak a couple of things. Not so easy to say no to that kind of thing. Um, one uh, a personal example from one of my plays is uh, a, one of my one acts um, called "Not So Soft" was being produced. It uh, uh, as a, it's about a half hour play, and it was being produced with another play as an evening of these two plays. And I w- and the other play required 
one woman, two men, and my play had two women. And they said, well, we'd really like to do it, but we'd like to change one of the characters, the, uh, uh, one, one of the women to a male character so we don't have to hire another actor. And this was the first pr- production of this play of mine. And I kind of went back and forth on it because I had my reasons for wanting both characters to be women. And I talked with the director, uh, Jessica Lefko, who is actually directing On Island, my play On Island that is coming up. And I have a good relationship with her and we talked about it and we talked about it. And I did it eventually, and it was fine. It was fine. It wasn't what I had intended, and um, and ultimately, I'm okay with that choice to do that. Um, but uh, but I certainly could have stuck to my guns and said, "No, it must be done my way, or you leave me. You leave me now." But I didn't do that. I made the change, much like uh, most every other playwright would probably do. Um, but Lee Blessing, Lee Blessing is definitely in a different uh, category of uh, of success uh, than than I right now. Uh, yet to be honored by uh, Tony. Uh, yeah. Second story I'm going to tell you is about a play that you may have heard of um, uh, called Stop Kiss by a playwright named Diana Sun. Um, so here's the story about this play. Stop Kiss was originally, com- I'm not sure if it was originally commissioned, but it was significantly developed uh, by the Woolly Mammoth Theater Company in Washington, D.C. And uh, I know, I, I don't know the exact amount of time that this play was in development down there but it was at least many months and i want to say it was more than a year from uh from when diane's son was initially approached and they came up with this this deal so howard shawitz is the artistic director down at woolly mammoth and he told this story and uh so so this was a, apparently a pretty arduous writing process for for stop kiss there were draft after draft after draft were done and some of them were pretty close and then they would go in a totally another direction and this went on for a long time and ultimately Willie Mammoth produced the play and it's gone on to a pretty good life and if you if you look around for it you'll find it's been published it's won a bunch of awards it's been produced all over the place fine fine play um so Howard Shawitz is telling this story about how some some time has passed since the Woolly Mammoth production of Stop Kiss, and he's out in Chicago for, for whatever reason he's out in Chicago. And he finds out that the Steppenwolf Theater Company it had scheduled a reading of Stop Kiss, and based on how the reading went, they may add it to their next season. And so he sees this this written up somewhere. Somebody tells him, he thinks, hey, yeah, I have a connection to that play. I'm going to go see this reading. So he goes to the reading, and he's sitting out there, and a couple minutes into it, he realizes that the draft that they, that Steppenwolf is reading is not the final draft. Somehow, whoever brought this play to Steppenwolf brought something like two or three drafts before the final draft. And Steppenwolf, not knowing this, um, 
was treating this early draft as though it was the final project. So, uh, final piece. So, what does Howard Shawitz do? I mean, what can you do in that sort of situation? He he's you know early on, like just first couple minutes, like oh no, this is this is not it. But he can't interrupt, so he waits. Reading ends. After the reading, there's a, a talk back session, and he stands up and he says something like, you know, uh, this is me. The my theater company commissioned this play. And this is not the right version. And the and so as you can imagine, I mean, what, what kind of situation is that? Uh, the, the Steppenwolf people just spent money, resources, time to do this, to present this thing, to get this on, you know, this feedback. And they just then, you know, and just and it was it was it was for naught. So. So the I guess the postscript to that is that sometime later, uh, he her, Howard Shawitz had heard that they f- uh, tracked down the final version of the play, did the reading, and for whatever reason decided not to produce it the next year. Whether it was because they were particularly angry about the confusion, um, may or may not have had something to do with it. So my suggestion is as you are writing and as you are going through your drafts, do not, do not distribute early drafts of your play. This is kind of an extreme uh, example, the the Stop Kiss uh, Steppenwolf story, but it can, at the very least, if you, if you are distributing an early draft of your play and you are presenting it to a theater company and saying, this is my play and this is my play ready to go, and even if... Even if, I mean, the worst that could possibly happen is that someone takes that er, that draft and then, you know, you go off and you change it and you change it later. That early draft somehow finds its way into Gary Sinise's hands or, or John Malkovich's hands and, they're, and they don't like it. And they're not going to, you know, chances are pretty good. They're not going to read the what you really intend to be the final draft. So be careful about distributing your early drafts there. Yeah, so... So that I I would say I would say is a is a pretty big issue. I know that from my personal experience I can I can tell you this story. Uh I so so my my coworker says, you know, how long did it take you to write it? And I have to then go into this spiel about well, it's not a book. You don't you don't publish a play and then it's done unless you're Lee Blessing. Um I mean, you can look at you can look at a number of playwrights um like uh oh gosh uh George F Walker has multiple versions of some of his plays published um uh uh, uh gosh what's that other guy's name Lanford Wilson has multiple versions of some of his plays in print it gets around um and then what do you do what do you do with these multiple versions um it's it's hard to say. It just confuses the issue. So so my so I'm having this conversation with her, and I think about this uh, this other play of mine called um, called Take Stock, and Take Stock is an interesting play for me because I feel that this play is done. I've had a couple readings. I've had it directed by people who are not me these readings. It's not yet been fully produced, but I've had actors. I've had some good feedback, some just from people reading it and some from audience members at the, at the readings. And I feel that really this play is done. And I am not tempted in the least to go back and try to rewrite it or rework some of the scenes. Now, 
the reality of this particular play is that it's going to be hard for me to find somebody who actually wants to produce it because it has very particular requirements as far as the set goes. The cast is probably just a little bit bigger than um, small theater companies would prefer. But regardless of that, I'm aware of the challenges with this particular script with Take Stock. Um, and I'm not, and I, be, because I'm aware of them, I'm not going to try to dumb it down. I'm not going to try to cut out more characters or change set requirements. And at some point, either someone is going to read it and say, you know what? This is good. I want to work with this. I want to produce it. And maybe sometime in the rehearsal process, some things change. That's fine. But I'm not going to drive myself crazy in doing draft after draft after draft. Um, I have done that. I have done that with my play Techies, uh, the the first full length of mine. Um, The play that made me want to go on and write more plays totally drove me crazy. First production of this play um, was directed by someone who had no business directing a play. Um, so it's a farce, large cast farce, and wouldn't you know, just kind of refused to do any blocking for like slapstick and deciding which areas of the stage had exits and things like that. So horrible experience. Um, I shouldn't say that very, some very good things about that experience. Not so much director wise. Um, but because of that experience, I have, I have this bizarre feeling that even though it's been produced, I don't know if it's done. And that play, I will go back to, and I will rework scenes, and I will change things around. And I've done that, and I've I've had readings since that production, and still, still have this sense that I could be doing more. And I really should stop that. I should totally stop that, um, and just and just let it be, let it go. And if in a production sometime we have to change this or that or or whatever, so be it. So be it. So be be very aware as a, as playwrights or as theater people that hang around playwrights. Be very aware that your playwright friends um, may have this kind of paranoia about them, not knowing if it's done. Uh, now on the on the and on the flip side of that, be very careful, as I said before, in letting early works get out there. Uh, and it is very much a fine line knowing when. You know, is this a, a draft that is fit to be seen, or is this something that I should keep developing a little bit? And I would say, at the bare minimum, you absolutely should have a reading of your play before you start sending it out to people, uh, people that are not inside your circle. So if you happen to know a bunch of actors, if you as a playwright know a bunch of actors, try to get your actor friends together, because even though they might try to shine it up nice and pretty for you and tell you that it's great... Uh, they will at least hopefully have some insight into your process and in some um, some insights into the script itself that you may be missing. Uh, so you should do that, I would say. At least have yourself a reading. Uh, if you if need be, two, maybe three. Uh, just depending on just depending on who you are, how often you've been at this, it is it is uh, much worse to send out an early script. And I can say uh, from artistic director side of the new playhouse, I've read plays that were very obviously in an early draft and they've come back three years later. And my impulse, I see the title, I see the author and maybe they market it the same way with a certain color or a certain cover. And I look at that and I say, I already read that and I get it. I get it gone. I get it out of my life, you know? Um, and maybe that's not fair. That's probably not fair. But I get 
a good chunk of plays. And I can't keep reading your next draft after next draft. Please. Okay, so, good. Yes, good. That's a fine episode 2.1. You can all... Uh, the interesting thing, I've, I've said the last couple episodes that you can send me email. Jonah at JonahOfTheSea.com The interesting thing about this is I actually have gotten a little bit of feedback, but none of it's come via email. It's either come, come to my... Uh, myspace or facebook accounts i think that's actually pretty interesting so if you are interested uh you can look for jonah knight on facebook or myspace and you will find me there and you can send me some messages or bulletins or write on my wall or whatever you want to do with that and that'll be fun that'll be super fun i don't know Anything else? JonahOfTheSea.com. You can request copies of my plays. You can do all that kind of fun stuff. And uh, you can definitely get in touch with me. Uh, suggest topics if you would like me to talk about something in particular. If you want me to read an email of yours, if you want to ask a question or anything like that, absolutely. Uh, go ahead. Give it a shot. At any rate, theatrically speaking, the only playwriting podcast in the entire galaxy of all the internets. And I know that because I do. I hate movies. Thanks very much for listening. I'll talk at you later.